My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened stories? As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. Okay, here's the situation. Jacob is on the run from his brother Esau because he stole both the birthright and the blessing out from under him. Well, Esau was complicit, but the point remains, Jacob's a little snake. But he's also been commissioned by his parents to go find himself a wife, and he arrives at what he thinks is probably his mother's homeland. As you may recall, Rebecca was given in marriage to Isaac, in part by her brother Laban because her father had already passed. So Jacob is trying to actually find Laban specifically. He finds some shepherds who are gathered around a spring of water that is covered by a huge stone to help keep it safe and also because that's where they water the sheep. It also helps keep the water distribution even because it takes a lot of people to lift up this stone. He asks the shepherds if they know about Laban. They say yes. And then out of nowhere, a shepherdess comes into the scene. In fact, it's not just any shepherdess. She's gorgeous and she's Laban's daughter. Her name is Rachel. Well, the power of guess what compels him, and Jacob lifts the stone off of the spring all by himself and waters Rachel's flock. And she watches, kind of stunned that this random guy just lifted this huge stone off the spring and is just also a little bit blown away by, you know, his face. I'm assuming. It's very clear that he's instantly smitten. As soon as the flock is done being watered, Jacob tells Rachel who he is and bursts into tears. Rachel, finding out that this is her cousin and Rebecca's son, runs home to tell Laban, and Laban immediately invites Jacob to stay with them. And Jacob does, for a month, and he serves Laban without pay because he's just so happy to be with his uncle, and also near the prettiest girl he's ever darn seen. After about a month, Laban asks Jacob what he could give him as wages, because, you know, he's awesome, he's a great nephew, and he's so excited to have him in, in the house because he's, he's so clearly Rebecca's son. Jacob asks for one thing only what it will take to be allowed to marry Laban's daughter, Rachel, because he is madly in love with her. Laban and Jacob strike up an agreement. Jacob can marry Rachel after he serves Laban as one of his shepherds and just in the house for seven years. Jacob immediately agrees to this. This price is fair. And remember, while he has the birthright and the blessing, he does not in fact have any money. Jacob's totally down with this plan. And the seven years that he has to work for Laban with no pay except for the promise of sexy time with Rachel he totally is into it. He's like, yes. And it passes in what feels like a blink of an eye because it's so incredible, the thought of being able to marry Rachel. After the seven years is up, Jacob's like, hey, so can I have my wife now? And Laban's like, yes, absolutely. Have your wife now. Except for Laban's a sneaky, sneaky guy. While Rebecca was given in marriage to Isaac and the guy showed up with rings and things like that, Jacob showed up empty-handed. More importantly, Rachel is not the oldest daughter of Laban. Rachel's his younger daughter, and the older daughter's name was Leah. Leah has what's described as weak eyes. We don't know if that means that her eyesight was bad or that like something was up with her face, <laughs> but we do know that Rachel was the pretty one and Leah was the older one. The problem is that this is still one of those birthright societies, and so Laban can't just give Rachel in marriage to Jacob, but he says that he will, and what he actually does is send Leah in, veiled into the darkened tent to be with Jacob. Jacob, believing that it's Rachel, thinks that he's got it made, and guess what happens? Yes, no surprise. And then when he wakes up in the light of the sun, lo and behold, he has just consummated his marriage to Leah and not Rachel. 
Jacob storms out and asks Laban, like, what the heck, dude? You said I could work seven years and have Rachel, and I've just slept with Leah. What the heck? And Laban's like, well, you know, I can't marry off my younger daughter before my older. That's just not how things are done here. And you would know that if you hadn't been raised in the podunk middle of nowhere by my sister and her husband. And Jacob's like, what will it take for me to be allowed to marry Rachel, the woman I'm in love with? And Laban thinks about it for a minute and is like, okay, here's the deal. You finish out the week of honeymoon with Leah. And then after the week is up, you can marry Rachel as well. And then just serve me an additional seven years. So Jacob finishes out the week with Leah, supposedly frustrated, I I guess. And when the week is up, goes into Rachel, who is now also his wife. So Jacob has successfully married both the older and the younger daughter of Laban and agreed to an additional seven years of servitude in Laban's household. Now, just because Leah was married to Jacob doesn't mean that Jacob liked her. In fact, he kind of hated her, in part because she was used to trick him and in part because she wasn't that pretty and in part because he was really, really, really into Rachel. Now, God wasn't super a fan of how Jacob was treating Leah, so he closed Rachel's womb and opened Leah's. She had four sons in what apparently was fairly rapid succession. The first was named Reuben, which means see, like as in see a son. The second was named Simeon, which means here because the Lord heard my prayer and gave me a son. The third is named Levi. And it means attached, like as in, maybe my husband will like me now. And the fourth was named Judah, which means praise. At this point, Leah had more or less given up on Jacob loving her, but had not given up on God loving her. So she named Judah praise, like as in, praise the Lord, I have another son. Rachel gets pissed at Jacob because he can't give her children and is like, what's the point of being alive if I don't have kids? And Jacob is angry and responds with something along the lines of, is it my problem that you're not having kids? I'm definitely having sex with you. It's God that's closed your womb. So I don't know what to tell you. And she says, I know what to tell you. I'm giving you my servant girl to be a wife and she can have children in my place. Jacob now has a third wife who does successfully bear him children. The servant girl does in fact give Jacob two sons. The first was named Dan, which means judged because God had judged that Rachel should have children. And the second is named Naphtali, which means wrestlings because Rachel was struggling against Leah and in having two children through her servant, who did not in fact have any say in this situation, Rachel feels that she has prevailed over Leah. Leah realized she wasn't having kids and so she gave Jacob her servant. Now Jacob has four wives. The fourth wife does in fact produce sons. Those sons are named Gad and Asher which mean respectively good fortune and happy because Leah is happy she has more kids and also happy that she is still in this race between her and Rachel for the affection of their husband. And while a lot of people make jokes about the show Sister Wives and the concept of Sister Wives, let me just make it very, very clear that this particular case of Sister Wives is the very worst in history because they were already sisters and now they are Sister Wives to the same man whom only likes one of them. Reuben, Leah's oldest son and in fact the biological oldest son of the whole darn family, eventually found some mandrakes during the harvest and Rachel was like, give me some of your son's mandrakes. And Leah's like, um, absolutely not. We all know you have my husband, Jacob, so why on earth would I give you anything my son gives me? And Rachel's like, fine, Jacob can go into you tonight if I get some mandrakes. And Leah's like, yeah, okay. So when Jacob comes home, she's like, yeah, you have to sleep with me tonight instead of Rachel because we promised on mandrakes. As it turns out, Leah got pregnant that very night and had the son Issachar, which means wages are for hire, as in basically I got pregnant because I hired my husband's dick. She then got pregnant again with a sixth son, who she named Zebulun. Zebulun means, broadly speaking, honor, because like she's clearly the honored wife in God's eyes because she's clearly having more children than anyone else. In fact, more children than the two additional wives and her sister Rachel combined. She also had a daughter named Dinah. 
done is going to be important, but it is kind of neat that the daughter's actually mentioned, because a lot of the times they're not. After Leia has had by far the most children out of anyone, God finally lets Rachel conceive. And she gives birth to a son named Joseph. Joseph means, may he add, and also sounds like the Hebrew for taken away, because God has added to Rachel's life by giving her finally the son she's wanted and has taken away her shame as a, quote, bad wife because she doesn't get to have kids. Now, basically, as soon as Jacob's favorite wife has finally had a son, Jacob's like, hey, Laban, can we leave? Please send me home. We've lived here for so long. Please give me my wives and my children so I can go home to my home country now. Because he has achieved his mission of finding a wife, and it is quite possible that Esau's not quite as mad at him. And Jacob's willing to roll the dice because things between him and Laban are a little bit not quite as good as they were when it first started. Well, Laban doesn't want to send Jacob away because clearly Jacob is blessed. Like, Jacob does very, very well, and everything he touches seems to get a little bit better. So Laban says that he will give Jacob any wages he asks for if only Jacob will stay. Jacob decides to try to outwit his uncle Laban by saying that the only thing he will take as wages are the speckled and spotted sheep. In other words, any sheep that are found among Jacob's flocks that are one color only will be considered stolen. That is very bad. It would be very dishonoring to Jacob. So Laban says, yes, absolutely. Tomorrow you can go through all of the sheep and you can pick out all of the speckled and spotted and those will be your wages as long as you continue to care for my flocks. But secretly Laban and his sons go through the sheep before Jacob can get to them and take all of the speckled and spotted sheep out. And Laban sends his sons with those speckled and spotted sheeps three days away so that there is no way Jacob can get to them. Now Jacob is tending a flock that is only black or white and no speckled and spotted sheeps are to be found. What's Jacob's strategy? He puts these strips of wood between the sheep when they're watering. And he makes sure through what is now known as absolutely nothing, but is certainly God's favor in context. He makes it so that the strong sheep always breed speckled and spotted sheep, and the weak sheep continuously only breed black or white sheep. In other words, every time the sheep breed, Jacob is getting all the good ones because they're speckled and spotted, but they're also really strong. Laban has absolutely nothing he can do about this because he can't admit that he took all the speckled and spotted adult sheep, and he also can't tell Jacob that any of them are stolen because they've made an agreement that all of the one-color sheep belong to Laban and all of the multicolor sheep belong to Jacob, and Jacob has found a way to hack that system and is now getting richer and richer and richer. Jacob's argument in doing this is, one, Laban had screwed him over, and two, when he came to Laban, Laban wasn't rich. And now that he's trying to leave as best he can, uh, Laban is rich, in great part to Jacob. Laban's sons are also jealous because they understand that he's gotten everything for their father, and they are like dead weight compared to him. At this point, the relationship between Jacob and Laban has deteriorated pretty far. Laban keeps trying to change Jacob's wages to screw him over so that Laban benefits, but every time he changes what Jacob gets, the Lord seems to make that be the only thing that appears. So Laban's like, oh, just kidding, your only wages are the speckled sheep, and then only speckled lambs are born here. Oh, just kidding, you get all the striped sheep and then only striped lambs are born. So Laban is upset with Jacob because Jacob keeps getting blessed, and Jacob is upset with Laban because he's being unfair and ridiculous. And the Lord comes to Jacob and is like, go home. I've seen how badly Laban is treating you. I am the God you made a vow to. I will protect you. Just go home. 
Jacob calls his wives in and is like, hey, listen, I had this dream that God said that we can go back to my homeland because your dad is screwing me over and screwing us over and has made our lives very difficult. And Rachel and Leah are like, yeah, our dad treats us like crap. Like he sold us for seven years wages each and literally devoured all of our money. He treats us like foreigners around our own house. And he pitted us in a husband battle. Like this is the very worst. So yeah, we would much rather do whatever you want to do and whatever God wants us to do than whatever our father wants to do because he doesn't treat us like his children. So we're no kids of his. And Jacob packs up his whole family, which is no small feat, and packs up all his flocks and runs away. (laughs) He does it because shepherds can move their flocks distances before anyone realizes something's wrong. So it takes Laban three days to realize that Jacob has not just gone to feed the sheep somewhere else, but that he has straight up run away. Laban chases him down, you know, because he can. And he points out to Jacob that, in fact, someone has stolen Laban's household gods. Jacob is unaware of the fact that Rachel had done this. Rachel stole Laban's gods. These little statues that were kind of like magical Funko Pops is kind of how you might imagine them. Anyway, Laban's pretty pissed, and he tells Jacob that he is hunting for the gods and that Jacob was being ridiculous by running away. And Jacob's like, you can kill whoever has them. I did not take one thing that doesn't belong to me. Everything I have with me is mine. And if you find them, like, so help me God, we can kill the person who stole him. Jacob does not know that his favorite wife has absolutely stolen the household gods from Laban. Laban and his servants begin a hunt for the household gods. And when they get to Rachel's tent, she has buried them under a camel saddle and is sitting on it. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry I can't get up, my lord. I am on my period. So I'm going to sit here on this saddle and not move. And Laban inspects Rachel's tent. Not too thoroughly. She's on her period. And because Rachel was definitely sitting on the gods buried underneath the camel saddle, Laban can't find them anywhere. And once he can't find them anywhere, Jacob is pissed. Jacob's like, I didn't steal your daughters. I didn't steal your gods. I didn't steal anything from you. And you continuously tried to ruin me. And God blessed me. And that is not my fault. In fact, I think you owe me an apology. And Laban's like, well, technically they're my daughters and technically it's my property, but I can't do anything about it. And Jacob's like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Please just let us leave. We were afraid of this happening. That's why we snuck out. And now you are making everything more difficult. And Laban's like, Jacob had been serving Laban for 20 years and in that time had continuously prospered Laban and Laban had only made things difficult and he had nowhere to run. So they make a heap of stones between them and they're like, this is the end of our relationship, basically. Laban kisses his grandchildren and his daughters goodbye, and now Jacob is free to return to Canaan, the land of his father Isaac, where he is going to find out if his brother is still angry with him, where he's going to find out what's going on. Laban has exited the story, and Jacob, with his four wives and multiple sons, and his daughter, is going to try to make his fortune wherever he can, the first time in his life. He's kind of almost free. Next episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to keep it a surprise, but I can guarantee you that scripture is still messy. God is still doing God stuff. And the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are still up to their same old tricks. I'll see you then.